Minerals to leather, wood or bone. Among the former are some of the finest eggshell-thin containers ever found in the world. The plundering of goblin settlements by treasure hunters in search of these, and the retaliation by the goblins themselves, has coloured human-goblin relationships even to the present day. Lord Vetinari cleared his throat and continued. I quote Pastor Oates again, Drumnot. I must say that goblins live on the edge, often because they have been driven there. When nothing else can survive, they do. Their universal greeting is, apparently, hang, which means survive. I know dreadful crimes have been laid at their door, but the world itself has never been kind to them. Let it be said here that those who live their lives where life hangs by less than a thread understand the dreadful algebra of necessity— which has no mercy, and when necessity presses an extremist, well, that is the time when the women need to make the ungue pot called Soul of Tears, the most beautiful of all the pots, carved with little flowers and washed with tears. Drumnot, with meticulous timing, put a cup of coffee in front of his master just as Lord Vetinari finished the sentence and looked up. The dreadful algebra of necessity, Drumnot, well, we know about that, don't we? "'Indeed we do, sir. Incidentally, sir, we have received a missive from Diamond King of Trolls, thanking us for our firm stance on the drugs issue. Well done, sir.' "'Hardly a concession,' Vetinari observed, waving it away. "'You know my position, Drumnot. I have no particular objection to people taking substances that make them feel better, or more contented, or, for that matter, see little dancing purple fairies, or even their god, if it comes to that.' It's their brain, after all, and society can have no claim on it, providing they're not operating heavy machinery at the time. However, to sell drugs to trolls that actually make their heads explode is simply murder. The Capital Crime I'm glad to say that Commander Vimes fully agrees with me on this issue. Indeed, sir, and may I remind you that he'll be leaving us very shortly? Do you intend to see him off, as it were? The patrician shook his head. "'I think not. The man must be in terrible turmoil, and I fear that my presence might make things worse.' Was there a hint of pity in Drumnot's voice when he said, "'Don't blame yourself, my lord. After all, you and the commander are in the hands of a higher power.' His Grace, the Duke of Ank, Commander Sir Samuel Vimes of the Ank Morpork City Watch, was feverishly pushing a pencil down the side of his boot in order to stop the itching. It didn't work. It never did. All his socks made his feet itch. For the hundredth time he considered telling his wife that among her sterling qualities, and they were many, knitting did not feature. But he would rather have chopped his foot off than do so. It would break her heart. They were dreadful socks, though, so thick, knotted and bulky that he had to buy boots that were one and a half times bigger than his feet. And he did this because Samuel Vimes, who had never gone into a place of worship with religious aforethought, worshipped Lady Sibyl. And not a day went past without his being amazed that she seemed to do the same to him. He had made her his wife, and she had made him a millionaire. With her behind him, the sad, desolate, penniless, and cynical copper was a rich and powerful duke. He'd managed to hold on to the cynical, however, and a brace of oxen on steroids would not have been able to pull the copper out of Sam Vimes. The poison was in too deep, wrapped around the spine. And so Sam Vimes itched, and counted his blessings until he ran out of numbers. 
Among his curses was doing the paperwork. There was always paperwork. It is well known that any drive to reduce paperwork only results in extra paperwork. Of course, he had people to do the paperwork, but sooner or later he had, at the very least, to sign it, and, if no way of escape presented itself, even read it. There was no getting away from it. Ultimately, in all police work, there was a definite possibility that the manure would hit the windmill. The initials of Sam Vimes were required to be on the paper to inform the world that it was his windmill and therefore his manure. But now he stopped to call through the open door to Sergeant Littlebottom, who was acting as his orderly. "'Anything yet, Cherry?' he said, hopefully. "'Not in the way I think you mean, sir, but I think you'll be pleased to hear that I've just had a clax message from Acting Captain Haddock down in Querm, sir. He says he's getting on fine, sir, and really enjoying the AVEC.' The exchange scheme with the Querm Gendarmerie.